hello, everyone, and welcome to fucking Folkin. Fine, fun. Everything I you can't. said sounded very vulgar. I, I can't do that. <laughs> All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's Talking Tolkien. I'm John. I'm Katie. And I'm Glorfindel. <laughs> and this week we are talking about Chapter 12 of Book 1 of The Fellowship of the Ring, mm-hmm. Flight to the Ford. Right. And also, uh, it, we should note that this is Episode 9 of The Lord of the Rings, uh, of so far of our Lord of the Rings episodes. This is Episode 9. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. just like that because nine is a really cool number, don't you think? So if, if this episode were a member of the Fellowship, which, which would it be? Which doesn't even exist at this point in the text. <laughs> <laughs> or which one of the nine... Which one of the nine would this episode be? Nine Black Riders would it be? Ooh, or which one of the nine Black Riders? <laughs> I feel like this episode would be Boromir because it's going to get killed already. This is the third time we've... Spoiler hit. alert! This is the third time we've hit nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is our episodes. third nine. Yeah, this is our third nine episode. Mm-hmm. All right, Katie, you want to... podcast could say that. You want to kick us off with a... Yes. So today in Middle-earth is October 29th. And uh, on this particular day, on October 29th, back when we were with our dwarf company and hobbit friend and the events that take place in The Hobbit, they were all still waiting outside the hidden door at the Lonely Mountain. Because remember, oh. it, it, yeah, it took weeks. Really? Oh, Remember, it wow. took weeks they sat there. So actually... Uh, tomorrow, I believe, October 30th, yeah, Bilbo finds the door and opens it. By not, by right. actually living that time instead of just reading it, it feels a lot longer. Right? <laughs> right? Because, well, yeah, you know, in the text it's just like, they sat there for several weeks, but now, now, now you understand truly how long they sat outside that door. You know what I should start doing is I should start watching movies, and then when it says, like, it it goes like sometime later. Stop the movie and don't watch it again until that point. I think that would be a horrible way to watch. Like Dark Knight Rises, he goes down to the down the prison. I wait up, oh, not watch it again for five months. All right, let's hold off. That's a horrible way to watch a movie. <laughs> but anyway, when last we left our hobbits and our friend Strider, what had happened? Frodo got stabbed. Frodo got stabbed at Weathertop by none other than the Witch King of Anmar. What an honor. <laughs> now we've heard a lot about that guy. It's a real honor to meet him and be stabbed by him. I would say. I'm not sure I would use the word honor. Your liege. Just I've heard a lot Ew. about this guy. No. So. Yeah. So moving. Fan of his work. Moving right along. Here we are. Flight to the Ford. This felt like the shortest chapter ever. Well, so Frodo kind of comes into it, and he's in like a haze, and. Then we kind of get the other Hobbit's perspective, and it was that they only really saw shadowy shapes. Yeah. And then Frodo was gone, and they're like, oh my god, where's Frodo? And they they could, like, faintly hear his voice, and they were stumbling around, and then they kind of tripped over him. Right. And if we remember, uh, last week we had talked about how vivid what what Frodo yep. saw was. Oh, yeah, was. I remember. So I, I, I don't know which would be worse, honestly. I think both have... Of an equally like horrid uh, effect, because from Frodo's point of view, of course, he's seeing these terrible figures. Uh, he he finally sees that the wraiths beyond just like you know black shadows or whatever. But from the other Hobbit's perspective, they it, that's that's that would be equally terrifying. I feel nothing versus weird glowing king things. Right. Right. Yeah. Right? So yeah. Creepy. So, Strider is not there, and Sam is feeling like his instincts were right. Like, aha, I knew this guy was no good. <laughs> and then very quickly, he 
appears and says that he was kind of scouting out, but he couldn't really find out where the riders were. You we're lucky that there were only five and not the full nine, and they weren't really expecting to be resisted mm-hmm. by Strider, nonetheless. Um, However, Strider feels that it's not really going to be safe for them there anymore because uh, he, he has a feeling that they're going to come back. Well, and not only that, that they've got they've got a Strider with them, I guess is the right word to use. <laughs> they've got a Ranger. And, oh, Ranger, that's yep. right. That's what his occupation yep. is, not Strider. <laughs> uh, my bad. Um, so... Instead of just the five, it might be the nine at this point from now on. Because I noticed that in this chapter, you don't see the riders for a little while. So I feel like they're like regrouping, recalculating mm-hmm. their play, talking with their coach in Mordor somehow over some spectral wavelength and trying to figure out a better play. Well, and Strider even tells us, you know, now the the riders have information now, basically. They've, yes. l- they've learned something from their encounter with, with Frodo. So Strider then disappears once more to look for some weed. <laughs> I thought he had some on him. Didn't he have to go back and look again? Or? Yeah, well, so Strider actually, he, he comes back and uh, so he basically knows that Frodo has been mortally wounded. By a by a blade by the, that, yeah. that 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 he shows he, them this blade, yeah, and then it just like dissolves into the air, like he right. just like he's like, look at this thing, right, and then it's gone. Yeah. Have you ever like seen you know like a fungal growth or something that was really dry, and then you, you like flick it, yeah. and the whole yeah. thing just powder. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. And that's also what would happen to mu- to certain mummies if they were exposed to. That's just what I'm imagining, right? Just yeah, just fun fact. Uh, there were so many Muppet, not Muppets. <laughs> There were so many mummies in the like late 18th and early 19th century that they ground a bunch of them up and used them as a pigment. You could actually buy mummy paint. Huh. I would not want to buy paint made from... 3,000-year-old human? Three, no. Nor, That's just nor, asking for the curse. Nor would I want to buy paint made from... A Morgul blade. A Morgul blade, no. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this turns out Frodo's injury is, is pretty serious. And Strider basically says, um, you know, I, I'll, I'll do my best to heal him, but this is pretty much beyond my I, capabilities. I have to be honest, uh, for Frodo being mortally wounded, he's not like... Like, he's been stabbed with a cursed blade. Mm-hmm. And make a point that it's a cursed blade. He doesn't seem... He seems to be in pain, but not too much. Like, he's still talking with them. I think it's, it's more that he's just kind of, like, fading out of... Yeah kind of consciousness well and that's yeah. that's kind of the effect that this has as we'll see as the chapter progresses too so yeah strider says he he will do his best to heal him and he brings out this herb uh, a leaf and it's called ethylas and he tells us that it was brought here into middle earth by the men of the west Numenor, yes. right? Okay, good. Yes, All right. good, good job, job, sir. All right. And Ethelas, actually, if we break it down into Cinderin, it comes from uh, the Cinderin. Uh, da, da, where is it? Okay, uh, Athaya, which means helpful or beneficial, and Las, which means leaf. So it's a very common sort of healing herb used by so, elves, and it's very powerful. So it's like a green herb in the Resident Evil games. Got it. Got it. <laughs> And then, you know, so we're, we're also kind of told that it has a very refreshing smell. So then I was thinking, what does Ethelas smell like? Dr. Pepper. 
Why, do, why would you think that Dr. Pepper is refreshing? I think, I don't, I don't like I think refreshing soda. and healing, I think meant. Yeah, I was thinking kind of, you know, what do we think of when we think of like a medicinal sort of herb? And I'm thinking like eucalyptus yeah. almost. Yeah, Jennifer. something a little effervescent. Something, yeah. Okay, yeah. But just something like bright and light and... I don't know why I went to... I'm, like medicinal. I don't like soda, but for some reason I'm craving a Dr. Pepper right now. <laughs> so Chase believes Athelet smells like Dr. Pepper. I'm going to stick with that. There we go. Man, now I just want a, like a nice cup of mint tea. Ooh. Mint Dr. Pepper. Oh, that sounds nasty. So... How, you know, we're we're told that this is a pretty powerful powerful herb. However, it's still really no match for Frodo's wound. And Strider's basically says, you know, I'll do what I can, but this is He's beyond got my to go to Rivendell. Yeah, we need to get to Rivendell so, as fast as possible. So then, fifteen days later, <laughs> well, no. So they set off, and they have redistributed the the pack amongst themselves so that Frodo can ride astride Bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, the pony, which I don't guess we know that he's called Bill the Pony right now. He's still just Bill's pony. He's just, yeah, Bill's That's pony. Bill's um, pony. But it says that, all, like, even though his work is probably harder than it ever was in Bree, like, he's a lot more happy and kind of spry, and mm-hmm. he's looking more and more, like, round and full as a pony. I love that so much. Ponies um, are happier when they're on adventures. Right? And, and I also liked how it was... The pony had already especially taken to Sam because Sam is especially kind to him. You know, and you know, they all are. They're far more kind to him than 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 Bill was, Bill Fernie. Uh, and this is just, this is another reason why I adore Tolkien so much because he he really loved horses. <laughs> and you don't say. <laughs> well, he was he was bit by a horse when he was thirteen. No. That... Uh, but yeah, um, so I like the... I just get very happy when we hear how the ponies are doing. Well, I mean, we've had Fatty Lumpkin, the previous right. ponies they've had, we've now had Mary's Bill's ponies, pony. And now Bill's pony. Now Bill's yeah. ponies. Now Bill's pony. But so anyway, now, you know, the Bill's pony is is carrying Mr. Frodo and they're going along and uh, Frodo kind of starts to feel like he has this strange haze over him uh, and he's his his strength is kind of waning. Always, uh, for some reason, my brain went to almost like a hangover, but a hangover where you were drinking with a lot of people who really like to smoke. I was thinking more of like he had cataracts. Hmm. Well, I went to very different places. Well, it <laughs> talks about a haze and him not being able to see, and that's kind of the definition of a cataract. I can't see when I'm in a hangover. Well, that's because your glasses got so smudged the night oh, before. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, because the. Somehow that always happens when I have a night out. Like, my glasses are just horribly smudged the next day. Well, so anyway, they're heading south. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's several days of journeying. I thought they were going east. Well, they have to head south, though. And they're, yeah. again, like, Strider's trying to get them cut cutting through to get them as fast as Oh, yeah, as because there was, like, through. this loop north in the road. Yeah. And then... yeah. They're basically hitting the road and then cutting across and then hitting the road again because, yeah. Um, so it's they. They eventually get to where they can see two rivers, and uh, Strider basically tells them there's one way to cross this river. Uh, hopefully, the bridge will not be taken, and we'll be able to cross it. And then I don't even want to think about the river Brina, which flows into Rivendell. That's we're gonna have to cross that bridge. Ha ha ha! When we get there. So. They continue on and continue on, and finally, uh, 
the next day they they finally meet the road and so they've, they've been on the road again for like seven days at this point and there's no black riders thankfully they no. haven't they haven't seen a side of black riders but they they get to the bridge oh and, and they, strider and, goes ahead and he finds this tiny gem yeah and specifically says he doesn't necessarily this is it's weird to find this thing here mm-hmm. this is an elven gem yes and it would it was either dropped or placed or here. Or placed here deliberately. Yes. So Strider says he's going to take that as a sign. Like really expensive of breadcrumbs. Good, of good fortune. Yeah, really expensive breadcrumbs. And he's going to take it as a sign that it's safe to cross there. So they're able to cross their, this, this first river. And then eventually they enter a wooded area. And this is where they kind of all start to have this like... Ro- I might be skipping ahead. But they all have this like growing concern about this area because yes. of troll activity. Yes. And specifically, they see these big towers, mm-hmm. and they ask. And I actually found this part really interesting because it's a nice reiteration of um, creature anthropology. I guess you could say that Tolkien does throughout these books, where some one of them, one of the Fro- one of Frodo's, one of the <laughs> hobbits. As did the trolls build those towers? It started as like trolls don't build yeah. anything. Yeah, I like I like that too. That was built by men, men. long time ago. Mm-hmm. But but the but those men even don't live here anymore because those were men no, 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 that no, yeah. had uh, died in, in the war long 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 ago. Uh, but they, they, are... they they were the men who had fallen in with Angmar. But yeah. they are following a path like a pr- yeah like it's kind of kind of uh, dilapidated but it's like definitely a path and Mary I think it is goes on ahead and like runs back terrified he's like trolls there are trolls Mm -hmm. and Strider's like okay I'll check it out and Strider mind you it's like broad daylight right now too so Strider like goes up with a (laughs) like a stick like pokes one of us like wake up wake up this was a nice little moment because I, I like this. It's like, okay, wait, let, let's, let's, let's think, reader. Have you been paying attention to what you've known before? Of course, this is assuming that, that yeah. the reader has, has, has previously read The Hobbit, as we have. Uh, so, you know, and Strider kind of jokes at The Hobbits, too, after this moment. He's like, you, you've forgotten your, your history. You've forgotten your Hobbits. family history. Well, Not just your family history, history, your family yeah. history. And this is immediately after they discover what is clearly a disused troll hole. Yep. Um... And they and they uh, wonder. Frodo actually wonders if this is the same path path yeah. that Bilbo and the dwarves had taken. And then, when Strider says, "You know, you've forgotten your family history. Plus, it's the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. These trolls are made out of stone." Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, "Oh, Mister Frodo, mm-hmm. these are these are Bilbo's trolls. These are Bilbo's trolls." <laughs> Although, when Strider says it, he he gives claim to Gandalf. These are the trolls that Gandalf, Gandalf took out. Took, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's interesting in that. Sorry, I had a hair caught in my throat. Uh, mm-hmm. That that was the most interesting part of this chapter so far because I feel like a lot of this chapter was like uh, reading it. I was like, this felt like a very stereotypical like. Okay, for the most part, this book has not been what I expected it to be. Mm-hmm. For most, for about half this chapter is what I thought this whole book was going to be, which was a lot of walking and a lot of walking and a lot of walking and a lot of walking. There's going to be a lot more. I, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but this chapter was the first time I kind of really felt that, where I was like, okay, we're walking, we're walking. I get it, we're walking. 
And it kept like, Frodo woke up, Frodo went back to sleep, Frodo mm-hmm. woke up, and they're somewhere else, and I have to turn right. Seven days later, you know? And yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. oh man. <laughs> but then it got to this part, and I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. And this was, this was kind of a, a, a lighthearted little break because, you know, as up until this point, like you say, you know, we've been walking and stopping and walking and stopping, and the weather's getting dreary, and the weather is making Frodo's wound hurt more, which I know this feel, Frodo, I know this feel <laughs> because. My leg hurts more when the weather's bad now. You've been stabbed with a cursed blade before? <laughs> no, I just broke a bone. But I, oh, I, and I oh, imagine yeah. that uh, Frodo's injury hurts worse than mine would. But, yeah, and then we get this nice little lighthearted moment of Strider kind of teasing the hobbits. And then, oh, yeah, then they, they decide they're going to eat lunch there under the trolls. And... It's it's kind of that moment that you had talked about before, like imagining the the dwarf company stopping yep, exactly. and, and hanging out there. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we get that moment here, which is kind of fun. And then even more so, they think we we would like a song now. And uh, who is it that sings quite a clever song? Once again, Bill the Pony. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Sam? Yeah. 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 Sam sings this like song about. Man and this troll, mm-hmm. and it was weird because everybody like talked about like how after the song was sung, how like they regarded Sam like you're just a person of secrets and, yeah. and you're always full of surprises, exactly. and they regarded him like a little bit more, more, more like acknowledging him a little bit more just because mm-hmm. like they've never really given much of a thought to him. Well, it's just kind of over and over again because so we had. You know, early early on in the chapter, Strider kind of makes a remark about how Frodo, or Gandalf was right about Frodo. I think Frodo's stronger than he seems. Mm-hmm. And so, again, we have that kind of uh, people are not always as they seem. Things are not always as they seem, which is a huge theme that runs through this book. And now we have this moment with Sam, who has, it turns out he actually made up that song, too. Frodo says, oh, that that certainly came out of your, your own mind. You yeah. made that up. And it's a pretty clever little song. And so now, yeah, we have even even Sam the gardener. Sam is not merely a gardener. And then, um, you know, as they're heading off... Oh, wait, well, one, I forgot my favorite detail, which is that there's a bird's nest, like, built under one of the trolls. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then as they're heading off, they see kind of a stone with some dwarf runes on it. Mm-hmm. But it also says secret marks, and I was like, okay, how could you see them if they're secret marks? Well, I think that just means that it was like a code. I know, I know. I just, anyway, um, they're like, oh, Mary's like, there, that must be the stone that marked the treasure that uh, you know Bilbo and the dwarves buried. Mm-hmm. You think any's left? And Frodo's like, no, no, Bilbo gave it all away because he felt like it was stolen. Yeah. So then they just kind of keep on trucking, and... Uh, after now they, they hear a sound that they dread. Yeah, after a couple of hours, they hear... Horse, 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 horse. That's what horses make, right? And it's a little ominous, and it just like kind of keeps following them for a while. But it doesn't sound quite like the, the, the black riders. Right. Um, As it gets closer and closer. They hear a faint kind of bell ringing. Yeah. A jingle jangle. And you know, it, it, it's Frodo who at first... Seems, starts to think this doesn't sound like a black rider's horse and then yeah as it comes even closer and closer they hear a bell okay that's certainly not a black rider's horse and then they actually see the horse and again i gotta rave about descriptions of horses because the description of this horse is pretty great i love it 
uh, he's so it's it's a white horse. This is like a complete opposite of of a black rider we get here. So good. Keep and, going. Keep going. And I I know I just love that like. So his tack is gleaming. I think it's described as it. It looks like he's. It's his tack has starlight on his headstall and stuff like that. Oh, I just love that. And then even we get the description of his rider, whose golden hair is like flowing in the wind as he's sort of like galloping majestically along this road. I, all I can think of whenever any time an elf or an elf's horse shows up, it's just rays of light coming out of them. Yeah. We're just like, okay, come on, can you can you tone it down? I'm no. trying to talk to you. Don't it's tone morning. it down. I can't. Bathe me in the glorious light of the elves. Ugh. And as it turns out, this elf is an elf we know from the Silmarillion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Glorfindel. So, do, do we remember uh, Glorfindel? Do we remember what happened with Glorfindel in the Silmarillion? Yeah, Jeff Daniels chose that as his code name in that scene in the Martian. <laughs> I appreciated that scene so much. Uh, I, I'm going to go ahead and say no. Okay. I know he's important. So, I know when the name popped up, yeah. I was this like, is, oh yes, this I know is who a, this is. This is a very peculiar kind of thing within Tolkien's mythos. Because, so, Glorfindel was uh, sort of Turgon's, one of Turgon's right-hand men in Gondolin. And you remember, Gondolin was mm-hmm. kind of one of the last elven strongholds that fell. That no one could find until right? they could find it. Right. And if you remember Glorfindel, he kind of... Basically wrestled a Balrog off yeah, a cliff. Yeah, wrestled a Balrog off a cliff and then died. Splat. So, what happens to elves normally when they die? They, well, hold on. I know this one. I, I know this one. They, they go they, to... Yeah. They go to they somebody's just... hall. The halls of... What are you doing? Manos, the hands of fate. No, Manos, almost, but Mandos. Mandos. Yeah, oh, but you wow. got. The, I was going. I was giving, showing yeah. you my hand because I thought Manos. And yeah. that's that's kind of almost a purgatory state, sort of. And then I feel like it's a little more pleasant than purgatory. Well, yeah, it's it's more pleasant than purgatory, but it's sort of the in between stage. And then they kind of are repurposed into, into their beautiful bodies. weapons made out of absinthe. No, but actually... This is why I don't improv. Sort of re... Like... Materialized? Yeah, into their bodies in Valinor, right? In the Undying Land. But they're gone from Middle-earth. If they die. But Glorfindel was basically... But here we have Glorfindel. Restored for his valiance? Well, see, here's the thing. Tolkien kind of accidentally... I was about to say, yeah. that sounds like an accident. <laughs> this is, yeah, this we, is, we, we covered this. And, it sounds yeah, like a foul But I, I just want to talk about it again, because here we are meeting Glorfindel again. But so, so Tolkien kind of accidentally used, used the name again, and elves all have unique names. All elves have unique names. And so rather than changing the name, because he had already sort of the character was embodied with this name. Being like an elf parent, like you go to the store, you're like, hey, where's the baby's naming dictionary? (laughs) We got to come up with a new name. No. Um, So, you know, Tolkien didn't want to change the name. So he basically, to reconcile the fact that Glorfindel had died in in the events of the Silmarillion, then uh, he basically wrote that Glorfindel was sent back to Middle-earth Kind of similarly to the way that the Istari, the mm-hmm. wizards, were sent to Middle Earth to kind of be a guide for the people there, and Glorfindel was sent back to Middle Earth, like somewhere in the Second Age, I believe. 
Um, but yeah, so we have we have an explanation for that. Tolkien, I'm totally there with you. I totally get that thing where like, ah, oh, damn, <laughs> I really want to. I'll just make up some. Con- I'll just make up some convoluted nonsense, and no one will know. <laughs> but but I I mean, I Glorfindel is a pretty. He's 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 a pretty uh, uh, great dude, and he, yeah, he deserves one of the few elf names I can actually remember. Like <laughs> he's like a book seven Neville Longbottom, right? So anyway, he says I've been searching for you for nine days. Mm-hmm. Uh, they ask about Gandalf. He's like I haven't seen him. Sorry, I did, however, two days ago put a stone on a bridge. So it turns out that was a notice from somebody yes. uh, from a friend that the bridge was safe to pass and Glorfie is like I've been following y'all's tracks for a while we need to get Frodo to Rivendell ASAP but I'm concerned because I have no idea where the riders are and they're probably waiting for us at the ford so Frodo how about you hop on my horse don't worry he is such a magical horse that it's literally impossible for him to buck somebody off and he, he, he will certainly take care of you. And knows the way. Now, I know several I know of several horses like this. They will pack a rider around. Uh, and I feel like, especially an elf's horse, you could totally trust with your life. And sure enough, Asphaloth is a really great horse. So do, yes. do, elven hor- do all horses have unique names as well? I don't know. That's a really good question. Also, are elven horses, horses, sorry, elven horses somehow different than other horses in that they are themselves kind of imbued with elven kin-like I mean, stuff? That's also a thing that I've never researched. I mean, Gandalf's horse is basically a demigod. Yeah. I mean, they well, describe this god. Sh- Shadowfax is not an ordinary horse. Yeah, Shadowfax seems... We'll, we'll but, meet Shadowfax later. <laughs> but, I mean, this horse was described very differently than other horses, so, I mean... Mm-hmm. I would think that these horses... I mean, maybe he's just feeding them that fluid that he gave them <laughs> for breakfast all the time. Yeah, the, the, oh, the that elf liquor vodka? that he gave. The, yeah, the elf vodka or the elf gin or whatever it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man, great. I just... I love that detail with that stuff because it was, like, the best. It was better than the best. And it, it, it made their, like, made stale bread... Yeah, it made their stale bread and dried fruit. That's why. Taste that's why I think any meal that they had ever had. That's why I think it's vodka. Like you have enough vodka, you're like, oh my god, <laughs> this toast is the best toast. Especially for like, they basically had a boozy brunch. <laughs> right? Yeah. So anyway, but alas. Anyway, uh, Frodo says, you know, I'm not, I'm not gonna leave my gallop friends. away without my friends, leaving them in danger. And Glorfindel is like, honey. You're the reason your friends are in danger. Yep. If you're galloping off, the riders are going to follow you. They don't really care about us. Yep. So... That was my thought briefly. Like, it was like... I actually did think that, too, of, like, what's going to happen with... Oh, wait, that's right. Who cares about them? They're just people. So, now, the sun is kind of setting. And as the sun is setting, Frodo starts to feel weaker and weaker. All throughout, you know, since he's been stabbed at Weathertop, he's kind of, like, waning in and out of strength but he generally it's in a trend if he's got this like fog over him and it's making him well and it's been what like 11 days yeah now, and they say that the wound is closed up even yeah it's closed up but and glorfindel even looks at it and says i can't even do anything about this he needs to get to rivendell but it's now growing like a mouth and it's going feed me oh god <laughs> um and so he, yeah he, he needs to go to elrond so finally they near the river and glorfindel kind of has has a feeling you know sometimes you just get a feeling that tonight's going to be a great night no that <laughs> that the black riders are 
going to come out at you. Um, that too. Right, right now. And sure enough, what happens? Glorfindel tells them to run. Yep, all and just go fly, get out. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like we're missing kind of a key detail, which is that the path right now leading up to the the ford they're basically in a tight path in the woods mm-hmm. and then there's kind of a field that's like a mile long to the ford so as mm-hmm. they're exiting it like everything is clear but they can only kind of see this narrow little bit yeah and yeah uh, frodo you know glorfindel tells tells frodo to ride and frodo has a moment of hesitation and kind of almost wants to refuse uh, and finally, Glorfindel just tells Asphaloth, he tells him, run, run fast. Mm-hmm. And Asphaloth takes off. And then, boom, all nine black, black riders, riders just descend. Well, okay, so it says that four come from behind them. Yeah. And then, two are or going, sorry, five come from behind them. And two, four are waiting out at the ford, yeah. Yeah, and so, then two are trying to cut off frodo before he yeah so of the four at the ford two head to frodo yeah two head to cut him off and then the five behind him start running yeah and frodo looks behind him and stops galloping and like kind of trots Mm -hmm. and then he has this realization like wait a minute they're doing this to me this isn't like my desire and then glorfandel just screams narolim and the horse just Bam. The horse takes Basically off. Basically teleports. And the horse just runs right past the riders, like whoosh. Yeah, it's even, I think it said something like, two, like Asphaloth runs like two feet in front of the, the, yeah. the two riders like, that were ridiculous. going to. Yeah. It's a super tense moment. So he plunges into the river, and Frodo kind of turns around and stops in the middle of the river and draws his sword. This is passed right before the face of the foremost rider. Yeah, right before the face of, of the rider. So he draws his sword, and basically Frodo is yelling back at the Black Riders. He's saying, "Go back to go back to where you came from." It's a trash talking, yeah. Little smug, like what is that? What is that? He he doesn't he doesn't know what's come over him. Is it the wound speaking? I I thought it was a little more valiant than trash talking. Chase, it was was, Frodo like summoning his courage and saying, "Like this is not yours. Like you go back to land. You will never have me, and you will never have the ring." I'm not there yet with Frodo. I'm not there. Like he's not quite there with me yet. Maybe around book two of Fellowship of the Ring. For this moment, this moment for me is a pretty great moment for Frodo because he's I mean yeah he's absolutely maybe it's one of those things like his internal monologue is he's okay. saying these heroic things but it's, but out on the outside he's so in pain that it's like okay. <laughs> you know you know in the first season of Mad Men when Betty Draper just takes the gun and shoots the birds yeah that's this for Frodo uh all right I'm not seeing okay <laughs> not seeing but okay I think it's a pretty great moment for Frodo I do too and so yeah he he tell he tells him go back where you came from and you know the 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 rider kind of hisses at him and says you know no we're we're going to take you this word yeah you're coming to Mordor you're with us you're coming to Mordor with the us the ring the ring but the the black rider's horse is, is kind of horse is kind of balking at the water mm-hmm. and then Frodo uh, kind of invokes uh, he invokes Luthien and and Elbereth. Uh, and Elbereth, yeah, and there and then there's this just absolutely perfect conclusion to this whole standoff. So the you know the Black Riders are coming towards them again. They fi- finally are able to push their horses into the water, and now Frodo 
looks down and sees the, the river kind of rising under him. And then it's coming like this great, it's described as like a plumed sort of wave. And he even sees what he thinks are like horses and riders within yeah. the water. There's even like a description of like white flame. Yeah, white flame. It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do they do? But they wash away. Well, only three, because only three of them are yeah. in the ford. The there's six that are like behind them, and isn't it Strider and Glorfindel? Or no, it's just Glorfindel kind of comes charging. It's not actually said Glorfindel. It says a white figure. A white figure comes yeah. charging and kind of spooks the other horses. Yeah. And the horses jump in and get washed away. Yeah. And this is kind of like the last thing that Frodo sees before he completely loses uh, strength. And mm-hmm. and then the book ends. Passes out once again. And there we are. Ending of book one. Hey, guys. I finished another book by Tolkien. <laughs> I know that one doesn't really count. It's the first fourth. We are a... Book one of, of The Fellowship. We're like a sixth of the way through Lord of the Rings, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. yeah, I would say a sixth. I mean, maybe not by exact page number, but by yeah. by book divisions. Let's just we're say actually twenty one percent through. My my <laughs> right, my, my well, fellowship. Super, there the are a thousand eight pages. I know. <laughs> my my uh, fellowship of the ring that I have. It's like says you're fifty one percent when I finish this chapter. So <laughs> so, what's the next one called again? The fellowship. The next of the, ring? the next chapter. Yeah. Many the meetings. council of oh many, many meetings. meetings yeah. Then the council. Yes. Oh. So yeah, uh, this was. You know, I, this this is such a fitting chapter to end the first. The book. podcast on we're done, guys. Okay. <laughs> we're out, we're up. You know, this is one of those. This is one of those chapters that was like when I was reading it, I didn't get a whole lot from it, but talking with y'all, I got a lot more from it, which has mm-hmm. not been the case with this book so far. This book has been like the Fellowship of the Ring, and that like I was reading it and like yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the first chapter. I was like. Okay, like <laughs> I was, I was not quite. It wasn't quite hidden for me well, that until has the end. Because you can't not be moved by the end in any in some sort of way, but mm-hmm. hearing like your dense breakdown of like what okay I get it I get it all right yeah I mean that yeah. has been the point of this podcast so I'm glad the payoff is <laughs> it was a little bit like reading a Silmarillion chapter and then like coming back it's like oh that's what was like, yeah there you know there are certain things I feel that you you need to focus on a little bit to really to really appreciate it Silmarillion yeah. pop quiz who is Madros Madros yeah what she said. <laughs> Hold on. I know. I know. He was one of the House of Feanor that I actually liked. Okay, so I didn't know. All right. Okay, so he was one of the sons of Feanor, of which there are how many? Many. Seven. Oh, seven. Okay. And he got tortured pretty badly. What happened? Oh, yeah, that's right. And they they sent... His arm. Yeah. uh... He was hung off the mountain. I remember that grizzly scene. By his right arm. And it was Fingolfin, right? Uh, I think so. I but don't remember. did end up saving him? He, he, well, he, in long story short, he lost his right arm. Yeah. Uh, and he was one of the sons of F- Fanor who successfully recovered the Silmarils and then cast them away. All right. But uh, anyway. <laughs> my, my favorite moment from this chapter was a snippet of... of, of uh, description in which they're camping and listening for the sounds of the riders but all they hear are the trees sighing and moaning mm-hmm. hmm. my fair bit was the bit with the when they find the trolls and 
I okay. I have this new mental image of um, Strider, and that is y'all have seen Spy, right? Yes. I have not. Okay, Jason Statham. In that movie. <laughs> okay, you already know what I'm about to say. Playing a parody of himself. Yeah, is constantly like the like macho tough guy, but he's always like popping up out of n- literally nowhere, mm-hmm. saying an apropos of nothing to do with the situation about how tough he is and that is my mental image of Strider now mm-hmm. because he keeps doing that he just keep, I just keep imagining him just like, like them talking all of a sudden boom and just like saying all this stuff it's like where did you come from this this character literally said nothing kills me I'm immune to 179 different types of poison I know because I ingested them all at once when I was deep undercover in an underground poison ingesting crime ring oh this character in Spy yes. yeah. okay. to which Melissa McCarthy replies I don't think that's true or I don't think that's possible something and okay. then he, he got his arm ripped off, and then he sewed it back on. You know? <laughs> um, I've jumped from a high-rise building using only a raincoat as a parachute and broke both legs upon landing. I still had to pretend I was in a Cirque du Soleil show. Yeah, that's a great movie, and that's a great character. <laughs> oh, yeah, she says, I don't know that that's possible. I mean, medically. What? During the threat of an assassination attempt, I appeared convincingly in front of Congress as Barack Obama. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I, 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 and all through that, I was still trying to decide which was my favorite. I, I don't know if I can yes, decide 15. between. No, I do not have fifteen. I have two. Um, I, I, I'm having a tough time just deciding between that whole like Glorfindel's kind of glorious entrance, uh, as as he meets them, and you know when Strider goes out running to meet him, and uh, the whole horse description and all that I love it with the like starlight gleaming from from the horse and the rider himself too it's either that or it's really Frodo's moment in the river um, because it's it's a great kind of character point because Frodo still like even earlier in the chapter he has another one of these moments where he doesn't know if he will ever recover from this from this wound. Yeah, he even he, says it a few times. Yeah, he says he says, I wonder if this will, you know, haunt me for the rest of my life. Um, and we shall see, Mr. Frodo, we shall see. But uh, then he has this moment in the river. He's like and, and you know, you had mentioned that he almost wanted to turn back. And again, this is kind of he's being pulled against his will and then he stops and realizes, "Wait, that's this is not me who's wanting to turn back." And then then he realizes, okay, I need to uh, do some yelling. <laughs> I wonder if this is, like, in a way, like, Tolkien trying to use the ring as metaphors for fear and cowardice and stuff like that. There is a lot That's a very be... open... You could drive a truck through that there, reading. There are, so. So, there are so many interpretations you can make out of this. Um, I, I also will say that there's a lot of um, importance put on the difference between fate and free will oh, in this book yeah, as well. That's true. Um, and this is kind of one of, you know, we see Frodo struggling with this a little bit at this point. I still imagine that so scene like it. he's hopped up on painkillers and just screaming. So, <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he is like fading slowly away. It's kind of the effect that this sort of wound <laughs> will have on you. So, but yeah, it's only typewriters will be talking to him. <laughs> there we go. Next week, we will begin book two of The Fellowship of the Ring. You know, one time I was really, really sick, and I was fading kind of slowly away, and Chase came over to keep me company, and he brought the Da Vinci Code, and we watched it for some reason. 
That's a horrible thing to do. I think that's an okay movie. <laughs> it was because earlier that year we had we had seen Angels and Demons in theaters that together. That garbage. Because I was like, you are going with me because I went to Rome and I'm telling you about the architecture. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. I am renowned Harvard symbologist Robert Langdon. I'm Asphaloth. You're the horse? Yes, I, I want to be that shiny be the, pony. Okay, okay. He's very shiny and awesome. And this is my associate, Walter Sobchak. <laughs> yes. I was about to say Radar from MASH, but that would have been too random, so... Thank you for listening to Talking Tolkien. You can find us online at TalkingTolkien.com, and you can send us an email to the professor at TalkingTolkien.com. We are also Talking Tolkien on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, and Stitcher. If you're an iTunes subscriber and you like what you hear, please be sure to give us a rating and review. We also have a Patreon account where you can donate as little as $1 per month to help us grow our podcast and help with expenses such as microphones and server space. Every little bit is appreciated.